1: 2 Timothy 1, 11-12, Paul writes this. He says, and of this gospel, this is the truth that we have received. Okay, This is the word of Christ. Of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Paul says, You know, I, I have these this convictions in me, the, the, the God built convictions, the gospel itself, the word of truth, the words of Christ. I have them in my heart, and because I have them in my heart, I truly suffer for this. I truly have been challenged, and, and uh, you, know, you know, because I, I cannot negotiate with other kinds of convictions. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced, that's the word conviction, I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted in him for that day. I'm not, I'm not giving you my thoughts about this thing, conviction thing. I only, can only preach from the confines of the scriptures. Why is our conviction so important? Because Christianity, historically... OK has never been effective when it compromises its convictions. When Christianity mirrors the culture rather than becoming a counterculture, it loses its saltiness. In our country today. Christianity in America, I'm afraid, uh, is moving into this, this uh, uh, lack of true biblical conviction. Divorce rates are the same among Christians and non-Christians. All the troubles that non-believers go through, the same troubles Christians go through. There's no victory either way. Where is that coming from? Where are those statistics coming from? They're coming from the lack of convictions. Giving away our convictions in favor of Really, I mean, I, I'm going to say this, okay? Many times we sell away our convictions because we don't want to look like we're kind people. We don't want to look like we're unkind people, okay? We, could, we, we compromise our convictions because if we stay with our convictions, we're not going to come across as compassionate people. We accept lifestyles that God says you cannot do that. Oh, but we say, "Okay, let's go ahead and just do it because I, you know, I feel bad. I feel sorry for people like that. I'm, I'm I'm compassionate to people." Jesus never ever ever compromised his conviction for the sake of compassion. We can be compassionate towards people. We can be kind to people without Giving away our convictions. Many Christians today, they say, well, well, aren't we supposed to be compassionate? Sure, but not at the expense of truth. Okay? Grace means nothing if it's not based on what's true. Kindness means nothing if it's not based on truth. Mercy means nothing if it's not based on what God says is true. Love means nothing if it's not based on what is true. I mean, we all know that and understand that. But we struggle with it because this whole thing about, you know, I, I really want to show compassion to people. You can do both. You can stay and hold on to your conviction and still show compassion to people. Because true compassion can only be shown when truth is revealed in a situation Jesus says, We are the salt of the earth, but we want to be what? The sugar of the earth. We want to be the splendor of the earth. And that's really the problem. You can't tell people the truth because you're afraid that, you know, you're going to be labeled as someone who's unkind. You can't tell them the truth because they're going to say, Oh, you, how, how, how uncompassionate. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be compassionate and kind. Well, we are. But not at the expense of truth. I guarantee you, when Jackson started crossing the street and Sheila says, I I want you to do what you want, Jackson. Cross the street even though there's a big rig coming. That doesn't happen in real life. If you and I are compassionate, we need to tell the truth. Don't be loved by the world. You're not the sugar of the world. You're not the sugar of the earth. But you want to taste sweet in front of people all the time. I want them to like me because if they like me, they're gonna like Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. <laughs> you know? In fact, they were beginning to like Jesus until they met you. You'd become the vinegar of the earth. 2 Timothy 3 1 to 5, Paul writes this. Mark this. When the Bible says, Mark this, you mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Enough, 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 Paul. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Having a form of righteous, a, a form of godliness but denying its power. It says, have nothing to do with them. Okay, oh, but pastor, if I, you know, if I tell them the truth about wh- wh- where they're heading, you know, they're, you know, I would be unkind to them. I will not be accepted by them. Our business is not to be accepted by the world. Our business is to be the light of the world. Because there is, this world is separated from God. The devil is ruling the world, not God. Oh, wait a minute, pastor. I thought God is all power. Yes, he is. The devil cannot do anything without God's permission. But there it is. God permits evil to happen in the world. And you and I can't do anything about it except to trust that He is righteous. Enough asking questions. Why, why God? Why are you, if you're so kind and so good, if you're so loving, why do you allow this thing and that to happen? Stop asking that question. If you're a Christian and you're still asking that question, you're struggling with one thing. You cannot give God the power to be who He is and what He wants to do. He's God. He's going to do what He wants to do. And our job is to trust Him and to follow what He has already revealed to us. Okay? Number four, it's futile to abandon community. Look at the last uh, verse. On Him we have set our hope that, we will continue to deli- that, that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. That's critical when we're going through struggles and trials and we're not functioning as, as honorable Christians. We need the community of believers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf For the gracious favor granted us in answers to the prayers of many. It's futile to try and experience the power of Christ outside the body of Christ. It's futile to think that you don't need to belong to the believers. You don't need to belong to a church to be a Christian. That's futile thinking. The church is the visible body of Jesus in the world today. The church functions according to its calling to be light and salt of the earth. The church are the people, not the organized religious group that comprises people. It is the individual Christians that gather together to, in one accord, lift up the name of Jesus. We are the people of God, period. We are called by His name. We are called from the dark and we're delivered from shame. We're one holy race. We're saints, every one of us, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's futile to separate from Christians and try to experience the power of God. If you're living as a Christian and you're not connected in any meaningful way to other believers, God says that's futility. You need to get connected. It's impossible to to feel the love of God outside the body of Christ. Amen? I I I can watch TV and be a religious person watching TV, but I can't hug that person on the TV. And I can feel I can't have any kind of demonstration of God's love unless I feel it from God's people. Unless I feel it from, you know, unless we feel it from one another, okay? Uh, If if you're a Christian, you know, I I got Christians tell me this all the time. Pastor, they're not connected to any kind of church. And they tell me, Pastor, I feel lost. I really want to find myself. Now think about that. You're lost. And you're trying to find yourself. How are you going to find yourself when you're lost? I never figured it out. I couldn't. I tried. When you're lost, you look for Jesus. Don't look for yourself. You're going to find the same thing. It's you. Look in the mirror and you'll understand why you got lost in the first place. You look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And how do you see Jesus? Oh, Jesus appeared to me in a white light and all of that. Be careful about that. When you see the white light, that means you're getting to cross over on a place. No, you see Jesus among the body of believers. That's what I pray about in our church. You know, our church is not much. We're a small church, okay? I'm tired of this face talking, and probably so have you. But one goal I want to make for our church is that somehow the love of Christ will come forth. We're not perfect people here, okay? (laughs) You know, don't even think about it. You know, we're not perfect, but we're supporting the Niners. How could you be perfect? (laughs) You know, Ben wore the jacket. At least I wore the jersey. And this guy has been fighting, okay? He hasn't been in football, but I still wear his number. He lost a a, a battle not, not too long ago. And listen, we connect, all right? We connect together. Now, how do we cross over? from futility to functionality. Now here's a great passage in Acts. Okay? This is why it's important to be connected. Okay? Paul writes, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set forth for them. And the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out to Him, for Him, and find Him. Though He is not far pro- away from all of us, from any of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. God is accessible. God can be found. You don't have to look anywhere. You can trust Him right now. Jesus is here by the power of His Spirit. He's present. He's a prayer away. In fact, he is a nod of the head away. We function honorably in the midst of futility. Okay, now we we, we talked about what's futile to do. Now we're going to talk very quickly, I promise, on how to function honorably in the midst of futility. And number one, we need to have full surrender. Full full surrender. Verse 9, indeed our hearts... In our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, that's a powerful word. What Paul was saying is, hey, you know, I learned to completely surrender. The reason why I'm functioning as a Christian, the reason why I'm functioning honorably before God, the reason why I have short tabs with God, short uh, 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 credit with God, uh, a short, um, what do you call that? Yeah, tabs, whatever you want to call it. The reason why I keep that short, I keep that thing uh, between me and God short is because I learned to surrender to Him, fully surrender. As long as we think that we can worship and serve God in our terms, we're not ready to function according to God's power. As long as we think we can escape challenges, as long as we think we can do things on our own, you know, and and not surrender to what God has already said, it will remain futile. Our attempts will remain futile and it will not lead to anything. So it, it, it involves full surrender. Have you fully surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you said, yes, I have, Pastor. But how are you functioning in that relationship with God? It's a tough question to answer because we're fallen people. Nevertheless, there it is. We need to completely surrender. Number two, we need to understand that we have a future salvation. We are saved now. We have received Jesus, we are saved now, but we're not, we haven't grasped that full salvation. Look at what it says. It says, but this happened... That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What Paul was saying was, in this world as a Christian, I'm functioning as best I can. I'm trying to please God. I live an honorable life. But these challenges come to me. And, and you know sometimes I get, I get knocked down, but I get up. I do this because I know one day God's going to eliminate all of this. Because my salvation is now, but it's still yet to come. Wait a minute, I thought we are saved, Pastor, when we trust Jesus. Yes, your soul will go to heaven when you die. But practically, you're still here on earth. I'm still here on earth. And don't you think that we're going to be spared the troubles while we are here on earth? No. The Bible says, hey, you know, you need to to stand strong because you are going to heaven already, but you're not there yet. If you want to go there now, just tell me. You want to go to heaven now? Tell God. He'll take you to heaven, you know, problems will be over, and you'll be in heaven. And some people actually think, mm, maybe that's a good idea, not me. I, I got a lot more serving to do for God, right? I'm, 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 I'm keeping up on my rewards. I want more rewards when I get to heaven. That's why, I, you know. But, yeah, you know, yeah, you and I, our soul, our spirit, yeah, it'll go to God when we die. But we're still here on earth, so we're still in, the, in this physical body. We're still going to get sick. I know you're all jealous. Because pastor is cut. He's cut. And he's jealous. But you know, this body is perishing, right? He's perishing. We're going to have pains. We're going to have all of these things. But never worry. There's something about the resurrection that you and I need to, to memorize and, and repeat to ourselves all the time. Our resurrection is not just a spiritual resurrection. It's also a physical resurrection. We're going to have new bodies when we die. People people think that well when they die you know my spirit's gonna go to heaven I'm gonna wear white I'm gonna have angel swings and I'm gonna play the harp forget that nobody wants that I'm not playing no harp in heaven I'm dressing I'm not dressing in white okay I like red and gold I'm planning on it I'm gonna be in a heaven when the fi- 49ers always win every year no we have a physical resurrection. And that's why Paul says, you know, you have aches and pains here now. You're struggling here now. Don't worry. You are saved. You're solely saved. When you die, you go to heaven. But when you get to heaven, boy, you're going to be really, really cut. You're going to have a body that's glorified that will not be corrupted. It will not be susceptible to sin. It will be a whole new thing. And you're going to know what it means to really appreciate. What God has done for you first uh, Corinthians two nine however it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who loved him. We are saved now, but we 're still getting saved. There will be times of struggles here on earth for god 's children, but we look forward to a future hope, a hope that will never disappoint, even when life down here always seems to disappoint us. You see, that's what should be building our faith on. A longing for a future of hope. Don't focus so much on getting all the fulfillment in this life. You and I are not meant to seek ultimate fulfillment here on earth. You know how I appreciate some of the older Christians that I know? Because they have lived long lives and, and never wavered and they trusted the Lord. It's easy to say, been there, done that, that's over, I have fulfilled my task. No, I pray that we still all work work for the Lord until the last day of our lives, until we drop dead. We need to drop dead loving God and serving Him, seeking to serve Him and still seeking to know Him. Thirdly, to function honorably, we must be firm spiritually verse 10 again he has delivered us from such a deadly peril that he will deliver us on hi- deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us notice the word deliver is used 3 times in this verse the word deliver here me is the word rumai which means to draw near oneself Every time we go through challenges, loved ones, in this life, every time we go through trouble, that trouble, if you're a child of God, is drawing you and I closer and closer to God. That's what the word deliver is, okay? We are being brought closer to God. That means every time there's suffering, there's challenges, there's all of these things, and we stand firm, we're being brought closer and closer to God, he wants us to grow in our faith and trust Him in, this, in, in, in times of trouble because that's what's br- what brings spiritual depth, spiritual deepness, the, the deep oceans o- o- of God's wisdom, of God's will in our lives. You know, the more we get deeper into that firm spiritual foundation, the more confident we are that when one day uh, that, that light on that, that, that hospital room, uh, when it flatlines Ah, you're, you're home free. There's no hesitation. There's no uh, regrets, nothing like that. That's what God wants every one of his children to experience here on earth despite everything. And finally, to live honorably, we need faithful praying, faithful supplications. Verse 11, as you help us by your prayers, there are many will give thanks on behalf of on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many we always look for god 's grace to sustain us we find grace among god 's people we find grace in tangible ways through the prayers of god 's people you and I need to pray for one another we need to pray as a church we you know in fact somebody emailed me suggested we need to uh, pray not only for us Christians but we need to pray for our nation how many of you know b- believe that the prayers of god 's people will will heal a nation. We need to do that. We need to pray not only for our own needs. Sometimes it's easier. Pastor, pray for me. Or let's pray for our own needs. And that's fine and good. But sometimes we need to focus our prayers on something bigger. Something that will give greater honor to God. Prayer is bo- both private and corporate. We, we do it personally, but we also do it together. We do need to pray Together, not just as individuals. Let me give you a breakdown of what prayer ought to be, both as individuals and and, and as a corporate type of praying. 90% of prayer should be directed towards worshiping God, obeying God, following the will of God, pursuing the grace of God so that we can do His will, that's 90% of prayer. It's about offering ourselves to God. It's about listening to what God has to say. It's about understanding what He has already proclaimed. That's 90% of praying. 10% of praying is asking for God to meet our needs. And why is it only 10%? Because the Bible says God already knows what you need even before you ask. We need to focus on praying properly. We need to pray for God's grace and mercy because it's the only way we can experience the love of God is through His grace and mercy. Every time we are gracious to a person and merciful to a person, the love of God is manifested. That's why it's important for us to have prayer as part of our daily routine as individuals and as a church. No human being can ever fathom or even understand the love of God. Forget about it. We know that God is love, but to understand the depth of that love can only be understood through the exercise, to the receiving and giving of God's grace and mercy, and to the exposition of God's truth, to exposing people to the truth of God's word. That's how we know that God loves us. Jesus is the only one who manifested the love of God accurately and 100%, and you know he was crucified for it. We can only grasp the love of God through his grace and mercy. Now let me uh, now, let me be sober for a moment and let me give you a sober warning. The love of God is eternal, but his grace and mercy are not. I know you're scratching your head. The love of God is eternal, but his grace and mercy are not. Many of us get the confused idea that God's love is eternal and his grace is, and mercy are also eternal. That's not true. His love is eternal, but His grace and mercy are not. There will will not be a need for grace or mercy in heaven or in hell. There will be no need for that. (laughs) If you find yourself in hell, there's no more opportunity for grace and mercy. Don't listen to people and say, oh, when I get to hell, that's when I'm going to start asking God for grace and mercy. No, you won't find it there. You know what you'll find in hell? A lot of prayer meetings that are going to be unheard. People trying to forgive but it's way too late. That's a sober warning to all of us. Grace and mercy, they're for here and now. This is when we ask God for them. So let me close with this. If you have not received God's word of truth. I'm talking about Jesus. If you haven't trusted Jesus, there's grace and mercy available to you. But if you refuse, only judgment awaits. So the time to take the deal is now.